Welcome to New Life Church's weekly message. New Life Church's mission is to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus through the gospel. This week, speaker Alan Budd brings us the fourth message of the series Gospel Driven Church, entitled Gospel Driven Mission. You can find the sermon outlined for this message at enewlife.com. Well, hey, I feel like I should start off uh, confessing something to you guys. Um, I mean, can I, can I be open here? Is this a safe place? Can I share? Is that okay? Uh, so last week, um, I was a little frustrated. Um, you ever have one of those weeks, people just kept frustrating me? You know, I, was, I felt like I was kind of going above and beyond helping this person out and just no appreciation, you know, just feeling, kind of feeling taken advantage of. And I started thinking things in my head like, you know, if it wasn't for me, you know, you'd be up the creek or whatever, whatever it was. Or, you know, if you realize my sacrifice, then maybe you would be a little more appreciative. Ever had that feeling? So I, ha- I had that feeling last week. And so I, I was thinking about it and I realized my, my problem, you know, my problem was, is I was putting me at the center of my world. I was putting me, not just in the center of my world, but really in, in the center of everyone else's world because I basically made it about me. And uh, I had to remind myself, and that we're doing this series here, I don't know if you have to do this, I had to remind myself that I'm not in the center of the world. And I'm not in the center of the universe. There's only one guy in the center of the universe, and that's God. He sits in that seat, he is the center of the universe, and I forget that all the time. What about you? Do you forget that? You can remind yourself as you go through your day, as you go through your week, and it just starts to slip out. And so I need to tell myself that, okay, if he created this world, he existed well before me, he does a good job sitting in that seat, and every time that I want to trade that seat, I want to sit there instead, I get frustrated people. When I get frustrated people, I don't know about your response, but I kind of want to punch him in the face. I'll just be honest. My, my wife says, you can't tell people that. Don't judge me, it's just, that's just me. I wanna I want punch people in the face. And so what I have to do is remind myself that if he's in the center, if it's all about him, how did he come to help me with this issue? How do I let him sit in the center of the seat? And so I have to remind myself that God created this entire world. He created everything for his glory so we worship him. The problem is, Everyone else has been responding like me as well. All the way back to Adam and Eve and you, yourself, you fail to glorify God supremely that he is the one worthy of all of our worship. You've made it about yourself at some point too. And, and God saw that. And when God saw that, he said, this isn't good because I'm holy and I'm perfect. And now they're not because they made it about themselves. And now we're separated. And he didn't want to stay separated. So he went to Jesus and said, Jesus, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go live the life that they cannot live. I need you to be perfect as you are. And as you live that perfect life, you are now worthy of being the sacrifice, the one that can bridge the gap between my perfect holiness. And you can serve that justice because they're imperfect and you can bridge the gap between the two of us in the most loving way, the most ultimate loving way that we've ever seen ever where he laid down his life and he said, I'm gonna bridge the gap. I'm gonna take this unholy people 
because of my holiness, because how I lived a perfect life, and I want them to have a way to be with a holy God. And so I am going to love people in this way, and I'm going to lay down my life. And here's, here's the kicker about that. Because, you know, we can recognize it's not about what we, we can do. It's about what he has done. But then he goes and he says, I want you to do the same. Look at this passage with me on the top. Right now, if you haven't pulled this out, the little, the notes here. Go ahead and pull this out. And the top of your notes is this passage in John 15. This is what he says. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you as I have loved you, and the way that I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. This is Jesus telling us, this is how you love. You lay down your very life. And this is what we ought to do. That's a tall order. I don't know if you feel a little, like that's a big deal. How am I supposed to do that? So before we move on, can I pray for us and pray for this time? Lord Jesus, I just thank you that we can be here, that we can talk about you, and we can talk about what you've done in our life that we couldn't accomplish on our own. That through your gospel, you provided a way to bridge that gap back to you. And then, <laughs> then you invite us and ask us and command us to do likewise and to live that life. And will you help us explore that? And any way that we came in with some distraction, any way that we are focused on ourselves and we're sitting in that seat and we're judging the world by how we see it, would you help us to just vacate that seat? Right now, vacate that seat and let you sit there and hear what you would have to say. Would you guide this time? We give it to you, amen. So we've been talking about uh, the DNA of our church. If you've been here the past few weeks, you'd see that we have a gospel-driven church. We don't want anything we do around here to be about some other method, some other reason, some other motivation. We want the gospel glowing in the center, shining bright for everybody to see on everything that we do. That should affect everything that we do here. We talked about how it attacks our identity and it helps us to see ourselves the way that we're supposed to be seeing ourselves, how God sees us. We talked about community, how it builds us up in community. And now today I wanna talk about our mission. That if we're a gospel-driven community, that it should change what we do. And here's how I like to see it, how the gospel urges us. And this is in your notes too. This kind of frames it in for me. The first thing is we need to believe better. We've been talking about that identity. That's part of believing better, right? We need to see us how God sees us. We need to see him who he is in the center of the universe. We need to believe better and let that truth wash over us. Because if we have misbeliefs, we start going the wrong direction. We're not even going to get there. So believing better is very important. That's the first step. The next one is breathe better. So it's not enough just to know the truth, but you kind of have to accept it. Let it, let it change you. It needs to, to free you up and, and open up the way you see the world. It's kind of, uh, the best way I can say it is a cold. You have a cold, it gets all gunky and you can't breathe right. And then that first day, you can breathe better. You feel free and you look back and you say, why am I so free? And you say, it's, it's because of this reason. You have so much gratefulness. And so as we believe better, it's gonna lead us to breathe better and live not pretending, not performing, not trying to do any other thing, but because of that freedom, we live out that belief. You follow me so far? And then that third step is behave better. Now I'm not talking about uh, we need to stop lying, cheating, and stealing. You know, that's all, that's all true too. If you're doing that, go ahead and stop that. Um, <laughs> 
But I'm talking about our behavior should change as we believe the truth that the gospel is in the center and he is everything. He is the one that sits in that seat. We should live life differently, don't you think? I mean, if I told you, here's a good example. If I told you, hey guys, um, the building is on fire. You wouldn't go, all right, let's write that. That's a good note. The building's on fire. That's a good one. That's a good word. No, if you believe that to be true, what would you do? You'd go running out, put, you, well, you wouldn't push people, this is church. You'd walk out nicely in a straight file. But if you believed that was true, you would take action, right? You'd do something different. Belief drives our action. But we don't want our belief to drive our action. We want belief to drive his action, right? So let's look at this. The key truth in this box here for you, the gospel of Christ propels us outward. Sending us to others for ministry and mission of love. As I just explained, Jesus came on that mission, right? The Father sent Jesus from heaven to earth on a mission. He had this sweet setup. He was up in heaven, hanging out with the angels. They're all worshiping him. I mean, he had everything he needed. I mean, he didn't even have cable. He had direct TV. I mean, it was good setup. And then God says, I need you to go do this. He said, yes, I'll go on mission for you, the Father, because I love you. So in, in essence, he was the first missionary. Then this next, this next point, Jesus' mission included loving ministry to both saved and lost. If you've read the, the New Testament, you saw that, right? I mean, Jesus would hang out with his disciples. He trained people up. He spent time with them. He taught them how to believe better, how to live out life he definitely spent time with, with believers. But then he also spent time with non-believers. Hung out with prostitutes, tax collectors, the woman at the well. I mean, he hung out with just regular people that didn't yet know who he was or claim him. In fact, he did it so much that the religious leaders of the day gave him flack because of it. I said, what are you doing over there? I love one of my favorite quotes that he says. He says this, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I need to hang out with people that, that need me, not the people who think they've got it all together. So Jesus, he hung out with both believers and non-believers. We see that in his life. And then he commissioned his followers to continue this same mission. He said, love your brothers and love your neighbors. Let's look at these passages that talk about that. First John 4, it's in your notes there, and this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. If you love God, you must, by way of loving God, you must love your brother. And then this next one, this is, this is really challenging. Mark 12, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And Christians everywhere go, yeah, we do that. And then it says this, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. I mean, that's a, that's a tall order, love other people. Like I love myself, I mean, I don't really ever go around wanting to punch myself in the face. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna love those people like I love myself. And I love people, I mean, I, mean, I love hanging out with people. In the morning, you can give me a cup of coffee, I like it, it's good. But you give me people, and I'm ready to go. I don't know what you introverts do. I have no clue. You have it tough. You gotta love people all the time, and it drains you. 
But I got some good news for you. If you're an introvert, whether you're an extrovert, it doesn't matter because this whole message calls you outside yourself, right? It propels us outward. But this is what he does. He gives us the desire and the ability to do this. He gives us a, a, a new heart and the Holy Spirit inside of us. Think about that for a second. Does this blow you away as, as much as it did when you first realized that part of God was inside of you? I try to explain this to my kids and it's like, how do you, yeah, there's God and he's inside of us and I don't know how to explain that. That's amazing. He says he gives us a spirit of, of power and love and self-control. He's inside of us, he is, he's driving us. So he changes and transforms us from the outside in. He takes care of us so we have that new heart, so we have that new ability, so we can love people. So it's not about me, so I don't go around punching people. Don't judge me. All right, let's look at number four. I made a lot of notes to make sure I gave you all the fill in the blanks, because if I don't give you the fill in the blanks, people get mad. All right, here it is, number four. The gospel aims to liberate God's people from self-focus, freeing them to love others in the church and in the world. Not because of what they did, but because of what, what he's done. You don't follow my example. If you, if you get into doing things and loving people and you love them hoping that they might give you appreciation back, or you serve people hoping that they'll have some response. It'll, it'll cause them to follow Jesus' faith. I mean, if you do it for anything, for, for what you hope to get from them, it's gonna fall short. I mean, think about it, even if you're a parent, right? I'm still waiting for my kids to come home one day and go, Dad, I just wanna say thank you. You're a great dad. <laughs> it might happen. I mean, my kids are pretty cool. But if we let that be our main motivation, what we're gonna get from the people that we serve and love, we're gonna burn out. Anybody been burned out by that? Right, you give and give and give and you're just waiting for some response that never comes. And so you get distracted by the lack of response or the lack of gratitude. And you just say, it's not worth it, man. People are gonna let me down. You been there? We don't want to start doing any of this. Say, I want the self-focus to be off of me. I want it to be on God. We start doing this because of obligation or guilt or any other motivation. It's, it's going to fall short. We want to love because he's loved us. And so here's, here's the good news. Number five, every believer has been given a unique divine design by Christ, enabling them to serve others in a joyful, fulfilling an impactful way. He wants to do this. He's building you to do this so you can serve others and have joy doing this. And I've heard many objections over the years. People say, you know, what do I have to offer? Or, you know, I, I can't do it near as good as that guy over there, so I, I might as well. It seems like it's covered. They've got it. But if we believe, if we believe better, if we believe that he is in control of this entire universe, he made everything he brought everything together. This should be very, very freeing to you. Because if it's his plan, not yours, it doesn't matter if you haven't done it up till now. It doesn't matter if you've been off course. It doesn't matter if you've taken on yourself and tried to you know, pump yourself up for whatever you have done. It's very freeing that I wake up every day and I think, and I do some, I do some, I do some dumb stuff. I'll be honest. But it's very freeing to me 
to know that he's never shocked or surprised. There's not a day where I do something and God goes, didn't see that coming. <laughs> that gives me freedom to know he's got it in control. He knew, he knew when he created the world that I would be here right now. He knew when he sent his son to die. He knew that my life would look like this. He knew all of that when he created me. And he created me a particular way and he created you a particular way. The more that we can believe that, the more we can step into what he wants us to do to, to live out that commissioning that he gave us. Look at this passage. Oh, this is good. If, you, if, if you're challenged by any of this, if you think, I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not, you need to memorize this. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. Let's read this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful your works, my soul knows it very well. You are made. You're created. You may have misused or abused his design, but he knows that. But he built you a particular way. And so discovering your divine design, discovering how he's made you, will empower you to express God's grace to other people in five key arenas of your life. Your family, your workplace or campus, your church, your small group, and your neighborhood. You have, if you're a believer, you have God's grace in you, and then he's given you the grace of giving you the Holy Spirit himself, gave you a gift to live that out. It's in you, and he wants it out of you. He wants other people to experience him through you. It says in Ephesians 4, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Why? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. See, it starts with him, starts with God, and he sends down Jesus. Jesus does it all, so then he gives us as believers the Holy Spirit that lives within us, and then we worship him and give it back to him. And when we give it back to him, everyone else receives the benefit. As we live out that life and worship to him, not for them, not for the appreciation, not for the response, but as we live it out to him, everyone else gets to see the grace that is in us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, picture that for a second. Picture that beautiful cycle of grace that other people receive the benefit of your worship. And picture this. What if, what if a church, picture a church, and not unlike this one, but picture one where everybody's doing this. I mean, everyone's responding to their, their design that he made, that they're living it out in such a way that they made their life a, a complete act of worship. And then because of that mission of living out worship to him, everyone else is receiving it. And you just see lots of stuff happening. There's lots of stuff happening here now, right? But you just see other people getting involved and engaged because of what he's done, not because of what they hope other people see. And you see this starting to play out in the life of this church even more. Where everyone's expressing it in their own way, their own design. Picture your life. Picture your life. What about at work? What about at work? What if you start doing this at work? I mean, just really living out your design in, in a worshipful way and it starts spilling on people at work. Could that be cool? 
Some of us are doing that. Picture your family. I don't know if some of you have family. Like I have family, you know, family, you know what I'm talking about, where they're like, ooh, family. Some of you got those kind of family, right? What if we start living that in our family, living out that way? And we don't, we don't focus on what the family is or isn't doing or how they fall short or their mess up. We focus on worshiping him and it spills out onto them. How could that change maybe our families? You see how this starts to take a new shape when we let him flow through us and we make it all just about our worship to him. And since it's all about him, that means it's never too late. It's never gonna be too short. It's never on you. It's never on us to do this. It's all him. That's the beautiful part about all this. But in order to do that, for us to really transform and let it flow through us in our workplace, in our family, a campus, wherever you may be, in your small group, in your neighborhood, all those things, we have to know our design, right? If we want to use our design better and worship to him, we have to know our design. That's important. So like earlier this week, I was getting, I was, uh, I got really early. We had to get, we have a foster daughter now, we had to get her on the bus really early. I mean, homeschooling is definitely the way to go. But we had to get her up, and so I'm just, I'm barely making it, I'm putting on this, it's cold, so I'm putting on this hooded sweatshirt, and I, I go, and it takes me a few seconds to realize that I'm looking at a face full of hood. I had put it on backwards. And when you put on a hooded sweatshirt backwards, there's two things. One, it doesn't insulate the back of your head that is missing a little bit. And it makes it very hard to see. There's only two options, frontward or backwards. I put it on the wrong way, and that makes a big difference. I'm using it outside of its design. We all know this. And so we have to understand our design and try to live out in our design the way he's made us, the way he knit us together. So let's look at that, okay? I believe, here we go, here it is. Oh yeah, there we go. Your divine design. Here's five kind of avenues or ways that it might intersect that might show you how you're made, how you're wired, how you're built. If you haven't thought about this way, this might be helpful. Number one, your personality. I'm wired to, I'm, the way I see the world, the way I respond to the world. This is a big deal for me. When I realized that the way I am, you know what I'm talking about, right? The way I am, he made me this way, and that actually wasn't like accidental, or this wasn't like I made you this way, and then later on I gave you a gift. When he made me this way, he was thinking through all of this. When he gave me my natural abilities, gave you your natural abilities, what you're good at, it fits in with your personality. And then you look at your spiritual gifts, and you think of it this way. People seem to be blessed when I do what? It's probably your gifts, because gifts are to serve the body and bring you joy in a fulfilling way. What about your experiences? That's a big part of your design, isn't it? Things you've been through. You ever heard someone say something and you're like, man, I could help them. I've been through that. It's part of who you are now, right? You meet someone that had a similar thing. You're like, oh, yeah, we both did this together. We went to this high school or we were both in the Marines or whatever. Whatever your experience is, it's part of who you are now too, right? Your passion, things you feel strongly about. You get someone talking about their passion, right? You see what they're all about. If we blend all these and we, we think and take some time here and we try to realize how all these are knit together, how all these are put together, how he might want to use our divine design because he's given you a unique combination of these things. Your personality, your abilities, your spiritual gifts, your experiences, your passion. He's designed a custom work for you to do. 
You're customized. You're not stock off the shelf. How about that? And when he, he wants you to do this and live that out so it will bless others and bring great joy in your worship. But finding that kind of spot to, to love and serve and to live that out, I mean, it takes work. You don't wake up one day and go, you know what? I figured it all out, how these all integrate together. I did some formula. All of a sudden, now I'm living the life that I was designed to live. Take some work. I found someone that said uh, this, when you're talking about your sweet spot, where to serve, where to love, where to live your life out, they talk about it four different ways. There's things that you do that you're not competent at, things you're competent, things you're excellent, and then things you're uniquely gifted to do. It's easy to find out what you're not competent at because, well, frankly, nobody wants you to do it. I mean, if you start doing things around here and you serve on a team and you're just not good at it, you're gonna get one of these talks. Um, yeah, we were thinking that maybe you should try out the cafe instead or something like that. And you're like, did I just get fired as a volunteer? Yes, you did. You did. You're not confident at that. Why would you want to do that? Then there's things that you can just, I mean, you, you can do. You can get it done. If there's something to, you know, to do, you can, you can jump in there. But then there's things that you're excellent at. That's the tricky one because sometimes you get stuck in that spot because you do well at it, but it may not bring the right amount of joy or it's not that sweet spot. And what's dangerous with that is if you're there, you're not in your spot and you're probably in someone else's spot. Let me tell you my story. So, all right, you got to picture this. I'm 18 and at, this, at my college campus church. Recently say I'm a new believer. In 18, you know, I'm probably a little less mature than I am today. I'm not saying much. But let's just say I'm, I'm wild, I'm crazy, I'm, I'm new to the faith, everything's exciting, everything's on fire. I was like, wow, this is awesome. You know, and, and uh, so someone said to me, man, you're a friendly guy, why don't you become a greeter? I'm like, well, sure, what do I gotta do? And they're like, well, you gotta... You're gonna go on the third Sunday of the month, we'll put you on that team, and you stand there and you greet people as they come in. I said, oh, I can do that. So literally, I did. I'd stand there where people come in, and, uh, and I wanna do it bigger, so passion. People come in like, hey, hallelujah, welcome to church, welcome to church, hallelujah, welcome to the praise dome, praise dome, come on in, come on in. The worship circle, you wanna enter it, you wanna enter right here. I was a good greeter. I was so good, eventually they came in and said, hey, um, you've been greeting. Uh, we want to see if maybe you would be like the greeter lead for the third Sunday of the month. And I'm like, sure, what do I got to do? And they said, well, when new people come greeters, you just got to train them what to do. And I'm like, oh, I can tell them how to do that. So I train people about, you know, greeting people. I say, you know, you don't have to do the whole, you know, praise them. You can do whatever, however you want. And I train people about wallflowers. You know what a wallflower is? This is important. So, if you ever walk through the lobby, you knew people come and they kind of plant themselves against the wall. You know, they just stand back there and they're just waiting for the friend. I don't know why people do this. You invite friends and you come late. Then they're standing there and I walk up to them like, hey, who invited you? I'm gonna write, I'm gonna write their name down. You know, we have a list. No, we don't have a list. But think about that for friend day. If you come next week, friend day, you see people just kind of standing against the wall. They're waiting for somebody. Go talk to them. But anyways, I would train people how to you know, greet wallflowers and how to greet people. And I must have done that pretty good because then they came up and said, hey, we were wondering, um, could you be like over the greeter ministry? I'm like, sure, sure. Well, you know what I gotta do. And they're like, well, you have to find new greeters and help build the teams and all that. And I said, okay, I can do that. And, um, and I must have done pretty good at that because then later they asked me to be director of all the ministries. But here's the interesting thing. When I was 
the greeter director, I was not joyful. It all of a sudden went down, and it took me a while to figure this out because I did a good job at it, but I, I found that when I go to people and I say, hey, you want to be a greeter? Greeter's awesome. And they go, no. I'm like, oh, man. It just it affected me because they didn't respond how I wanted them to respond. They didn't see greeting as awesome as I saw it. I thought, man, they don't love Jesus. You know, whatever it is. But that was just hard for me. It wasn't joyful until I got to the spot where I could go up to people and say, hey, what are you about? And I got to help them find the right fit. So I did it excellent, but it wasn't my unique fit. And so it looked like things were going well. So you may have to try that. When you try out different things you do, don't get discouraged because it may take some time. You may have to tweak a little bit. And if you do anything around here, just know we're never going to say, well, you signed up for life. Because remember, we want to be able to fire volunteers too. Right? We don't sign contracts for life. Listen, when we talk about this gospel-driven church, we talk about these values, we talk about community and mission, this is real important because there's a community value here. You know, this is a big place, and we come together on the weekends, but we highly value the small groups because, I mean, think about it. You have friends in your small group, and then you have friends in your neighborhood. Well, I can invite the friends in my neighborhood with the friends in my small group, and we can do something together, Right? That's designed to use our community to love our people. You got friends in your small group. You got friends at work. Well, I can invite people from work with friends from my small group, and I can love on those people. That's an important community value that we have here. In the same way, when you join a serve team here, we serve together because we want to together to love each other as people come in our doors. And then also, as we do missional efforts, we do things out in the community, we want to work together do it together as a group of people. Because here's what we found. When you're in a group of people, it offers you more care and protection. As you're serving and you're loving and you're reaching out to people, if you're the group of people, it's gonna offer you care and protection. Let me, let me get to tell you a story. Uh, my friend Rachel. So Rachel had been trying to get back to church for a while. She knew she wanted to and finally came one, one week and Pastor C said something really cool. So she's like, I gotta come back. So she jumps into a small group. She signs up to serve on a team, and she's doing both. Well, then all of a sudden, you know how life can get. And so life got that way for her. And then all of a sudden, the thorns started kind of choking her out again, started pulling her back, what's going on. But because she was in a small group and a serve team, this is what happened. Someone from her small group came up to me and said, hey, have you seen Rachel recently? And I knew what was going on, but I was like, I don't know. I said, why don't you... Uh, why don't you call her, right? Yeah, that's a good idea. So they call her. And then a couple people from the serve team that she's on came up to me and said, hey, Alan, have, uh, have, you, seen, have you seen Rachel? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Why don't you call her? And they're like, yeah, we should call her. And so they go call her. This is how it's designed to work. We're part of a community. As we're trying to live out our design, as we're trying to live it out, it takes work, and we need care and protection. You know, if you're not connected in with a smaller group of people, you know what the enemy calls you? you know what the enemy calls you? Easy prey. Easy prey. Because you can just disappear and nobody notices. You're like the little weak, the little lambs that fall behind the rest of them. They snatch them up. So we want you to be involved, not just because we want your gift to express, but we want care and protection of your life too. 
So it's real important for you to be part of a team around here. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say it's an opportunity, but really I would strongly challenge you to do this. If you have not joined a team here, we're going to make it real easy for you. Because I love you. I don't know if you know this. I love you. Huh? How about that? I love you, and I don't want you not to be connected. Because I don't want something to happen to you no one notices. And not only that, I love the other people here, and if you're not in the team, you're not really designed and ready to notice when someone else isn't there. So we need you there so you can notice other people that all of a sudden, what happened to so-and-so? And you go, well, maybe I should call them. So here's what I'm gonna do. If you pull out this, this, uh, oh yeah, here it is. Bright yellow, you can't miss it. So pull out this, everyone go ahead and do it. See, if you're not the one doing it, you'll be the weird one in the row. Okay, so go ahead and pull this out. Make it bright yellow so we can, and, uh, so we can see right down the aisle, no one's doing it, you can see it, because it's yellow, right? It's right there. Pull this out, and this is just very simple. Put your name, email, phone, and if you currently serve somewhere, we're updating our database anyway, so this is kind of great time to do this. Just let us know when you're serving. Make sure we have you on the right list so we know kind of what you're doing. And if you're like, I need a place to serve. Yep. You're right, Alan. Maybe I should do this. I'm real easy. All you do is check a box. They're not going to sign you up right away, but they're going to call you and say, hey, let's explore this. Let's explore. Is this a good fit for you? So there's nursery kids, preschool kids, elementary, greeters and ushers, the cafe team, audiovisual, worship band, student ministry, and then others. You can make it your own. You just write it in there. And we're going to get a hold of you and just find out, hey, what would be the good fit? We'd love to see you connected in more for your care and protection. And you can help us care and protect other people too. If you don't have a pen, you can do this right on the app. In the sermon notes, there's a little link you can click on. You can fill it out digitally. So everyone should have this out. Go ahead and take a minute right now. Fill this out because you're going to put it in the offering bag when it comes by later. Or fill it on the app. Everyone's looking around, make sure everyone else is doing it. Go ahead and do it. Steve said I should. I was like, I can give him some time. He said, you should. When I told him I was going to do this in his office, I started beatboxing. He's like, you should do that on Sunday. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to beatbox on Sunday. I'm going to give you some music or something. But you can fill this out. We really, we really do. We really do want to help you live out your design. We really do want to offer that care and protection. We, we want to do this, family. We want to see this grow so we see all this stuff happening everywhere around us. In our personal lives, with our workplace friends, our neighborhoods, through our small group, here, the serve teams, reaching out into the world. We want this to be a gospel-driven, missional church. And we want you to be a part of that. So fill that out. Drop that in later. I'm going to pray for us here in just a minute. And I, I, want, I want you to think about this. If any of this, when we were talking about your design, we're talking about you know, what we do around here, if any of this just challenges you and you go, I, I just don't know where to start, can I encourage you to get prayer from a prayer partner? If you think that, you know, I, I, I don't even know if I'm usable. That's an identity issue too, right? We love to pray that for you, pray with you. If you're challenged, like, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, it's too late for me, any of those things, I would love you to see you get some prayer because he wants to do something with you. He made you with purpose. He knit you together. And so if there's anything challenging that, that's just gonna go to a darker and darker place. So would you let us pray for you for that? Would you let us do that? The rest of us will just be worshiping, singing some songs together. 
So go ahead and stand up. Let me pray kind of a blessing over us. Lord Jesus, we, we, we thank you that you made us, you designed us. We weren't just haphazardly thrown together. But you told us with clarity that you knit us together. You made us for purpose. You gave us a mission to follow the footsteps of Jesus, our Savior, to live that life out. And you told us to do it in such a way that it's worship to you. And we know if we give it to you, you're always fully pleased with that worship. We don't even have to look around and see the result of how it affects others. But we know that if it's in your name, it's for your purpose, that it'll bring joy, it'll bring clarity, it'll bring your grace living through us to other people. So Lord, would you help us to see that with clarity? Would you help us to not take it upon ourselves, not make it about ourselves, not look for affirmation or appreciation? Can you help just purify us so we can relinquish control and just offer it back to you, the gifts that you've given us, the Holy Spirit inside, would it just swell in us today? Would it just take over, fill us Lord Jesus, so we're not tempted to make it about ourselves again. I know I need that. Lord, we want to offer our service. We want to offer our love. We want to offer our care to others back to you. And Lord, I would pray that we would we'd respond in just practical ways of, of putting ourselves in positions so we know that we're being cared for by others. Would you lead us to find the right spot to, to love and serve joyfully so other people receive the benefit of your grace. Show us how to do that best. Help us to listen to you all the way. Visit us each week as we continue to journey through God's word and seek to know him better through the gospel. Our prayer is that the gospel has taken a deeper hold of you as we have studied the word together at New Life Church, where Jesus is front and center all the time.